Welcome to the Amphenol Frontline Podcast, where we share success stories and best practices of Amphenol management throughout the corporation. This episode features both Rob Twinney, Group Technical Director of the Amphenol Sensor Technology Group, and Chris Ranwell, Global Director of Product Management for the Amphenol Advanced Sensors Gas and Moisture Product Line. In separate conversations, Rob talks about the different temperature screening systems being used and evaluated by Amphenol facilities, the pros and cons, and how the technologies work for each, while Chris provides detailed information on the new temperature screening system being developed by Amphenol Advanced Sensors as together we combat the coronavirus pandemic around the world. Rob, thank you very much for joining us today on the Frontline Podcast, as you have been at the forefront, amongst others, uh, from the Sensor Technology Group with looking at different ways that we can do temperature screening and temperature scanning in our factories. Obviously, that being a big hurdle to ensure that we have more and more people enter the factories, factories safely. Um, short of having a test every day, one of the easiest ways to do it is just to see if people have a temperature um, that's above a certain threshold. There are a number of different systems that we've looked at with the corporate team, but can you just talk about through talk through some of those systems and the methodologies that they use and maybe some of the pros and cons? Yeah, sure. It'd be my pleasure. Perhaps worth starting by saying that um, you know, to get a true body temperature measurement, then really you need to make contact with the body. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you go into a hospital and a doctor takes your, your body temperature, typically it's under the tongue, under the arm, or sometimes they'll do an in-ear measurement, which again is infrared, which is the current preferred route, I guess, for non-contact. But by looking inside the ear, you can get a body temperature measurement, which is close, the the blood feeding the ear is close to the brain, and it's very close to your core body temperature. Um, Once you go outside a non-contact with people, then you're getting an indicative measurement. You're Mm -hmm. getting a state. That's going to give you a, a rough estimate of someone's body temperature, but it's not going to be perfect. So any of these non-contact measurement methods are going to be indicative, but they're not going to be a kind of true medical reading on someone's body temperature. Right. So having said that, in the real world, if you've got people going in and out of the factory, you can't really stop them all and take them, tell them to take a thermometer under their tongue for 30 seconds. Yeah. So you have to have something which is going to be ideally non-contact. And so infrared measurement is, is a very good solution for that. So just to explain infrared, you know, we're all... Warm bodies, we're all emitting infrared all the time, just like anything that's uh, above ambient temperature. Um, And so the amount of infrared we're emitting is very small, um, but it's enough to measure how much radiation we're emitting. Uh, And the amount of radiation we're emitting is not only a function of temperature, but also what's called the emissivity of of the body. So fortunately, the skin is a relatively good emitter of radiation. It's about 0.95, 0.98 0.95, 0.98 on a scale of 0 to 1, um, and most people are about the same. Uh, so that means it's a good start point, but uh, clothing or wood or other surfaces all have different emissivities. They all give a different amount of radiation. So one of the factors that needs to be incorporated in any measurement is the emissivity of the surface that you're looking at. So for people, that's fairly straightforward. But for things like... Uh, uh, a thermal camera, for instance, you've probably all seen you know, these pretty thermal images of people walking around. You can see hot spots and cold right. spots. You need to be able to factor in the emissivity of the surface, uh, in this case, the skin. So a thermal camera is a very 
smart way of measuring infrared. Uh, it's just like an ordinary camera, but works typically in the 8 to 14 micron wavelengths rather than 500 nanometers, which is where we see thereabouts. Um, picks up the radiation from the body. Uh, the more radiation there is, indicates the hotter the person is, the more radiation they're emitting. You need to know for emissivity. You need to know for all the optics on the camera as well, because the camera, just like a television camera or uh, a camera, you know, a still camera, is forming an image on a focal plane. So you have a load of lensing, mm -hmm. which is taking that view of the world and putting it onto a, a focal plane. And that focal plane is made up of a discrete number of pixels. So to get a good reading from a particular pixel, you want the object you're looking at to completely fill that pixel. Mm -hmm. And in the case of someone's face, um, the good areas that you can go for to measure temperature are going to be the forehead, uh, the temples, and the best area you can go for is the tear duct, which is just inside of the eye, which is oh, the closest yeah. to body temperature. That's a pretty small area. Yeah. So, so to get a thermal camera to give you a good reading on a tear duct at some distance means either a lot of lenses, and the lenses are typically made from silicon or germanium or something like that. They're relatively expensive. Um, and a lot of pixels. And so a lot of pixels means an expensive detector. So... To get a view of the world in infrared, which can cover a fair number of people, so you could take their tear duct temperatures um, quickly, means a pretty expensive camera. Yeah. And on top of that, you have a lot more sources of variation, because you've got all the lenses, which are all going to not be 100% transmissive. The detector's got lots of pixels, which will be varying slightly in detectivity, so they need to be calibrated out as well. Um, and you're assuming that the pixel fully is filled with the tear duct that you're trying to image. And if it's not fully filled, then you'll get a little bit of error. And also, the camera has a focal plane. So if the people are essentially out of focus, then you get an inaccurate reading as well. So cameras are great for dealing with crowds uh, in a controlled environment, but they have more sources of error, I guess, is, is fair to say. So an alternative route is uh, what you can see more typically is these guns, so-called guns. Right, right. They're receiving things rather than firing things. <laughs> yeah. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, they're receiving the infrared from whatever's emitting. So in this case, uh, we're talking about people. Mm -hmm. um, now, the gun is very much simpler. It's cheaper, uh, whereas I have one detector or maybe a couple of detectors inside, so the detectors can be a bit bigger. Um, and it doesn't really have a focal plane. It's not trying to generate an image. So all it has is a cone of, a cone of view. So it's looking out with a field of view, which is typically cone-shaped. And as long as you fill that field of view with the same temperature, a uniform temperature, you should get an accurate reading from the gun. Mm -hmm. So it's a much simpler approach. Um, but it, the constraint it now puts on everything is that I've got the gun. I need to get the thing I'm trying to measure the temperature of within a reasonable distance, and mm -hmm. if the person's forehead is what I'm trying to measure, that needs to fill the field of view of the gun. So the gun typically needs to be held a few centimeters away from the forehead. So hence you see these things where you've got someone pointing a, uh, an infrared gun at someone's forehead to take a measurement. But the measurement can be reasonably accurate because you remove a lot of the sources of variation. It's much simpler measurement mm -hmm. rather than <coughs> trying to get a, a load of people in a in a... Uh, optical scene uh, measured all at once. But you need to have the person in a fixed position with the gun, and then you can try and take a measurement of their forehead temperature. 
I think one of the biggest uh, questions that we come up with as being a part of the corporate team as, as we go through these and, and I listen in as they're evaluating these systems is the variability in the temperatures that you see with them, regardless of what the system is, and then how you establish a threshold for the temperatures. What are some of the the uh, the the advice, the the techniques that you talk through with the people that that you're dealing with, that say, okay, like I for example, I'll give you an example. I went into the factory in Sydney last week, and they had the gun, and took my temperature, and it you know an average temperature, a typical normal temperature for uh, me in Fahrenheit would be ninety eight point six, and I think it was ninety four point two, so I'm cold blooded. <laughs> clearly <laughs> now obviously it was okay he doesn't have a fever but that's also not a normal temperature so how do you how do you talk through um, with people that go well how do I how do I gauge that like what's safe and what isn't safe from a range standpoint it's a tricky problem uh, not an easy one to solve to be honest because I said at the beginning you're not measuring the core body temperature which right. is what the body's trying to control in fact, you, the skin is one of your control mechanisms. You know? So if the core body temperature starts going up, you start getting hot, you, your skin gets hotter, you start sweating, you try and lose heat from your skin. Um, and equally, if, if it's cold outside and your body temperature starts dropping, then the peripheral circulation to your skin will get reduced to try and save energy, save heat, and your surface temperature will drop. So, so it's, it is a challenge because the surface temperature of your skin is not well correlated to your body temperature. But, but are, because your head, your brain, is mm -hmm. a fairly valuable part of the whole construction, then the body focuses on trying to keep the brain at a fairly constant temperature. Mm -hmm. So the ear canal, tear duct, and to some extent the forehead are more controlled than other parts of the body, like your arms and legs, which will get cold and warm depending on the outside temperature. A good, and a good example for a thermal camera uh, is something like an airplane. So very often you'll see thermal cameras used at airports where passengers are coming off an aircraft. Mm -hmm. And that's a very good circumstance because those passengers have all been sitting in an air-conditioned box tube mm -hmm. for the last hour, five hours, or whatever. So their, their background temperature is all the same. Um, and against that environment, what you can do is hopefully pick out someone who stands out from the rest. Mm, mm -hmm. so a number of the thermal camera systems will have um, a moving average that you can put in. So it'll take the average of the last 10 people that came through. So even if the outside environment is changing temperature, so their, their average skin temperature may be varying a bit, you can still find someone who stands out from the crowd. I see. Um, with the gun, which is more of an absolute and is a better absolute measurement, it's a bit more tricky. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you've got people coming in from it's cold outside and they're wrapped up, you know, they may be, their skin here may be cold because that's exposed. Um, or maybe they've just been sitting in their air-conditioned car, which has been running hot, and so they're, they're cooled down a bit. So there is a factor of that. And that's why you can use it as an indication, but it's not an absolute. Mm -hmm. Surely, I think it always has to be followed up with some kind of medical screen if someone really is flagging as being significantly out. And really, that at the end of the day is is what we're trying to do here. I mean, we're just trying to see where there's an anomaly. We're not yeah. trying to see, you know, record temperatures and 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 make sure everyone is healthy. We're just trying to identify maybe that one person that day 
who comes in and, whoa, wait a minute, that's, you know, they, they came in and, you know, whereas, you know, they just measured me and I'm at 94.2 and the next person behind me, they measure that person's temperature and it's 99.7 on the gun. Well, whoa, we got a problem. That's really at the end of the day for all these systems, what we're trying to do, right? I mean, it's just trying to identify that one person that potentially could be a risk to everyone else. Correct. And I think that's where automated data capture from these systems is very useful because you can do essentially SPC on the, the data. If you've got 10 people who came through the door, we're all within plus or minus, say, 0.5 degrees or something, and the next person comes in, he's one degree up, uh, then maybe that's a significant barrier. Have you done uh, or, or worked with any of the divisions yet to go through that that data collection to 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 try to see where those trends are or at least... Uh, start to advise on, okay, here's the, the types of trends you should be looking for, and have you noticed some anomalies yet in some of the data you've looked at? Well, we've, uh, you know, the corporate team um, with Rick Schneider has been doing some nice work on comparing a couple of uh, infrared imaging systems uh, and comparing those with guns, uh, just and right. using guns as a kind of absolute reference. I would say from the data they've seen, guns are typically more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is quite a warm-up time on the thermal imaging system. And I think on the thermal imaging systems, probably to get absolute accuracy, the ideal is to put the kind of known temperature reference in the field of view so that you can try and calibrate out, in effect, all the optics and the atmospheric transmission and the distance and the orientation of the person to the camera, which is a lot of variation there. So if you put a, a known temperature in the field of view, you can help improve the absolute accuracy. I see. Um, but certainly guns, typically gun to gun, we can get typically about plus or minus 0.2 degrees, I would say. Uh, it's fairly fairly consistent. Um, we've been running trials in the census group. We've been running trials with a new system, which I think you're going to talk to Chris Brownwell. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah. Which face recognition as well. Um, and that system, we've run 300 people through it and got, good correlation to a separate gun of about plus or minus 0.2 degrees, something like that. So I think that's the kind of area that we can expect to get to with a gun system. With a camera system, typically I think they're rated about plus or minus 2 degrees. Mm-hmm. But with careful calibration, you can probably get them absolute down to about plus or minus 0.5 degrees or something like that to okay. see. Um, but where you can use them is people who stand out from the crowd. So if you have a number of people coming through and you get a moving average, as you mentioned, then you can find the, the anomaly, the person who's one or two degrees out, because you have enough sensitivity to see that. So it's, it's more a matter of suiting the detection system to the application and how you're going to be handling people. If you're dealing with people one at a time and you can afford the time to use a gun or the equivalent, then mm-hmm. that's great. If you're dealing with a crowd, like going to a football match or streaming off an aircraft, yeah. then you something that's going to be a bit more crude, let's say, in terms of the absolute resolution, but it's going to allow you to see people standing out from the rest. Now, it's very fascinating stuff, Rob, um, and it's something I'm sure we're, we're going to continue to hear more and more about and try to make sure that we inform people as well as we can on on the best solution for, you know, each division is very different. You know, some have mm-hmm. just a, a handful of people, others have, you know, thousands of people, and you're really going to have to find the right solution to work for for your particular facility. At the end of the day, like you said, we just want to make sure we have a good, reliable system where we could detect those anomalies and make sure we keep everyone safe. 
Yeah, indeed. indeed. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Rob, for taking time to talk to me today. I'm sure people are going to be uh, quite interested in hearing this particular episode. And uh, my best to you, the family, and, and everyone at the Sensor Group. Yeah, no, thanks so much. Thank you. And everyone stay safe. Chris, first of all, thank you very much for uh, being a part of the Frontline podcast today. I, I appreciate you taking time from your home office as you're part of the advanced sensors uh, team uh, specifically gas and moisture product line and i know um in talking to rob twinney who was also part of the sensor group along with you going and reviewing some of the the temperature uh screening systems that we are evaluating and implementing into various amphenol divisions around the world uh, just to ensure again that we keep that we isolate those people that we think may be risks to the health and safety of the other employees. And he went through a good thorough review of that. But one of the things that I wanted to get to and the reason you're on today is specifically a product line that you are helping to spearhead uh, with your group, which is called the T-Scan 750. So could you tell everyone a little bit about what that is and some of the, the features and benefits of that system? Uh, hi, Chris, and uh, thank you for the introduction. Yeah, the T-Scan 750 is a product that we're working with a customer of ours uh, that uses the non-contact infrared temperature measurement that Rob spoke about a little earlier. Um, and it's uh, placed in top of the instrument itself above a tablet. And uh, it allows you to uh, screen a large number of employees very, very quickly without the use of a second person with a handheld um, and you can just literally walk up to the tablet. It takes a look at your face, so it positions it within a silhouette, and then it targets your forehead and then takes a measurement. And then it can record that measurement either with or without the person's name, or it can actually just be used in its most simple mode, which is a good or no good in terms of the temperature. So it'll be a, a normal temperature or a high temperature. So it's a very simple and easy system to implement, and it comes with a dashboard uh, with cloud-based services, so you can uh, administer it remotely. You can see uh, and set your alarm settings and really look at a large amount of data very quickly and easily and look at the statistics. Obviously, isolate the individuals who have elevated temperatures. The T-Scan 750, we have on trial our Changshou, three units in there. They're scanning the temperatures of all our employees on a daily basis. And uh, from what we've seen, we need about a one unit per 150 uh, individuals coming through an entranceway. That keeps the flow of people at a, at a good pace. It takes about half a second to take a measurement and record that. Okay. And yeah, all that information is saved uh, to a cloud-based system. And uh, you can log on to the cloud-based system securely. And there you can see an individual's record of temperature. Uh, you can also uh, see any alarms that are set. Uh, the device can also be tied to an entry gate. So, you know, it can be set so it won't let anybody enter through a gate mm -hmm. uh, unless the temperature is detected as a normal temperature. So we've um, really enjoyed using the product and seeing the results from it. It's, uh, it seems to work really, really well. And um, 
I think uh, we now also have one uh, with Eric Rushbrook, who you had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, and he's testing that along his systems uh, that he has down in Beverly, Massachusetts as well. How have you found the, the results to be so far against some of the other systems that we have been evaluating? So I think, um, you know, against a handheld, very, very consistent. Obviously, the handhelds are a much lower cost product, mm-hmm. um, but we do see really good consistency between the handhelds. Um, the benefit over the handheld, obviously, you don't have to have a person there all the time. You can fully automate the process. Uh, over thermal imaging, significant um, uh, advantages over thermal imaging. Uh, thermal imaging does seem to have uh, some false errors. Um, I think it's very good for large groups of people. You often see them in airports where you've got literally hundreds of people walking through an area. And for those types of situations where you can pull people out and secondary screen them with a handheld, I think uh, they work really well. But where you're doing individuals, uh, we've seen some error in temperature. Um, and of course, there's no ability to uh, record or tie that data to an individual. True. Um, but also the thermal imaging is quite an expensive apparatus as well. Uh, the T-Scan 750 will suffer about $2,000. So um, some of the infrared systems are you know, three, four, or five times more. Through your testing so far, have you isolated any individuals who were above the threshold that was set? You know, uh, we haven't done, um, because we've implemented this about three weeks ago in China, and mm-hmm. as you know, in China, um, things uh, in terms of the virus uh, definitely died away, so okay. we've not seen any increases there, but um, I think, uh, as Eric mentioned on your podcast, he spotted an individual uh, that um, they prevented entering was, was known to have had the virus. <clears throat> so uh, systems definitely work and uh, see them, the ability to control the spread and, and not let anybody into one of our facilities who could potentially contaminate or spread the uh, virus to our other employees. Right. What are some of the products that you have done through advanced sensors over the years that are similar to this? Like, So how much history have you had with something like this type of a product line? Um, have you had uh, products that were very similar to this? Um, or is this a radical shift from what you normally have in your product portfolio? Uh, it's it's somewhat of a shift. We do have um, a product line uh, called Protometer, which is our handheld instruments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are used for measuring moisture, temperature, and humidity primarily in buildings. And we do have uh, applications running on tablets and mobile phones. Um, so we have some experience in that side of it. Also, our business has uh, tremendous experience with our, through our K group, through recording data, cloud-based systems, tablet-based systems. So within our organization, we do have some relevant experience for this product. And not only for Amphenol, obviously, you're going to be offering this to Amphenol divisions, but is this something you see expanding beyond just your sister divisions or our sister divisions in Amphenol and, and expanding this to other industries and, and customers worldwide? Yes, we that's absolutely what we see. Okay. So uh, we're going to um, 
offer the product to the Amphenol divisions uh, very soon, uh, and then we will expand to uh, the wider audience. There's, a, there's a, obviously a, a large uh, array of applications that we can sell the product to. So, uh, you know, it could be sports stadiums, colleges, universities, restaurants. Yeah. Um, so there, there really is a massive uh, market size for this type of product. What you're saying is the the real advantage to this particular type of system is the accuracy is much closer to what you would get in a handheld uh, device versus the thermal imaging devices. Uh, in addition to that, um, it is much more cost effective than the the larger thermal imaging systems, and you have the ability to record all of this data in a cloud-based service so you can you know do your metrics your analysis and all that is that basically the summary of why you think this is such a, a good product line yeah exactly that obviously it's an automatic system it can stop people entering right. uh, a facility as well so um, you don't need to have a person there with operating a handheld hand recording the readings and so on so yeah it, it automates the whole process um and it's relatively error free compared to a thermal imaging and with thermal imaging you still really need to do secondary screening of a handheld so if people want to know and and learn a little bit more information about this and we'll just keep it to the amphenol audience for now should they contact you directly yeah, absolutely. Please contact me directly and um, we can make uh, those contact details available. Yep, I could the, do that. In the podcast notes. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Chris, very. I, I thank you very much for uh, this information. I think people are really going to enjoy not only hearing uh, what Rob said earlier, but also what you've just uh, brought uh, to our attention as well as far as this new product line that the Advanced Sensor team is working on. So thank you very much for sharing this. No problem, Chris. Thank you very much for having me on and uh, good luck and stay safe.